Hello? Hello. Welcome to the rest of us. Hey, good morning. How are you? Uh, not quite awake yet. How about you? <laughs> um, actually, more awake than usual. I woke up at a little after five this morning, and so... Uh... I, uh, although I, I admittedly crawled back into bed, but I got up and had a cup of coffee and moved my laundry to the dryer. Wow. Uh, and uh, watched a minute or two of my morning sports show and a minute or two of the Queen standing on a balcony and went, yay, 70 years. Good for her. <laughs> wow. That is really a long time. It is. Yes. And and She's... if Prince Charles were my kid, I would stick around for 70 years, too. Yeah. She's quite the elderly lady. You know, it's funny, too. It's such a weird thing, you know, because I remember, I remember seeing an interview with him like probably 20, 25 years ago. And they said, you know, are you looking forward to being king? And and he like looked at them and he goes, well, no, because that means that my mom would have died. You know, He goes, it'll happen when it happens. But, you know, he didn't say mom. He said mother. But but, you know, yes. Yeah. I don't think he wants it. Yeah, I, I think he's like, you know, it'll happen when it happens, and that's fine, and I'll do it for a while, and then my kid will take over, you know? <laughs> exactly. I think he's perfectly happy to, to, you know, I mean, he's been kind of sitting in for her recently. I think he opened um, uh, Parliament most recently for her because she wasn't well, um, you know. Because she's in her 90s. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and you know what? She's mourning the loss of her husband as well because – you know, I mean, they were married forever, too. I mean, you know, they, you know, it's just, yeah, she's, she's an elderly lady. Yes. So, yeah, they saw, they showed the whole big family standing on the balcony, and you see this, like, tiny little shrunken old lady out there. But she, you know, she's, she was smiling, and she had a bunch of grandkids on one side. She had Charles and Camilla on her right, and then, um, uh, uh, Shoot, what's her William? William and his wife were on. Kate. It's funny. Kate was closer to her than William was, but between Kate and William were their three kids. You know, so they sort of did what all parents do, which is you take one end, I'll take the other. And let's make sure they all stay in play. <laughs> you know? So, so, um, uh, just are we recording? Are we not recording? What is what is the deal? So, as soon as the call starts, it automatically starts recording. So, oh, crud. Okay, can we edit this part out? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't start until we, like, officially start. So, um, okay, good. Actually, I was in the process of calling up my documents when uh, you called. So I don't even – I just now got that stuff up while we were chatting. So um, – All, all right. right. Let's see. Let's open some of these links. I read these stories, but I read them a while back. And then I saw, but I don't see. Let me go back and see if I see, because I saw you had, <laughs> I saw that you had done an add-on to it or something, or you had added Oh, no, no, document. I just had a comment. Oh, is that a com Okay, I thought you had added to the document. I guess that was just in the text. Yeah, yeah. and you were absolutely right. So anyway, uh, let me do a quick intro, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. So, uh, welcome to the rest of us, the show where we talk about topics of the day without taking the ridiculous perspectives of political pundits and talk about things just like the rest of us. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. How you doing today, Aaron? 
Uh, alive, alert, awake, and enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. so, yeah. The, it's not what the... I heard in the pre-show. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, um, kind of a serious topic today. Uh, you know, there has been um, ongoing for, unfortunately, multiple years, uh, issues within the Catholic Church about priests behaving badly uh, and and uh, and you know uh, essentially acting as pedophiles or are pedophiles you know with with children in their in their trust but also with people within their congregation. Um, it's been a big issue within the Catholic Church and as to how the Catholic Church has responded to that and um, and you know the the you know ongoing issues of you know, we does the church have history of people who have who have you know cr- committed these kinds of crimes and and have they, you know, are the people being held responsible for it? Are they being turned over to authorities in the uh, constituent countries where they have uh, um, misbehaved? And I'm I'm trying to be this as nice as I can when I say misbehaved because this is horrific and these people should be, uh, in my my opinion, um, uh, prosecuted to the fullest extent of law wherever they happen to be uh for their misdeeds uh but it broke this last week that um baptist ministers have had the same problems the uh southern baptist church has had some issues now with uh uh baptist members detailing grooming misconduct and sexual misconduct of baptist ministers um and in fact uh in the course of one minister standing up in front of his congregation and admitting his infidelity with his wife uh, a woman stands up in the audience or in the in the congregation and shouts back i was 16 you know um and, and calls him out right there in front of everybody and good for her for doing that um but uh, yes well and, and isn't it a hallmark of a sex offender uh, that kind of sex offender where grooming is involved to say, oh, the other person wanted it, whether the other person is two years old mm-hmm. or, you know, a grown woman uh, or grown man. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. That's 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 kind of their M.O. Oh, it wasn't. a You know, I didn't I didn't rape this person who was 16 years old. I you know, we had a relationship right. really because yeah, you yeah. were old by her standards. Remember, a 16 year old thinks 25 is old. Yeah. I mean, they have to justify their their horrific behavior to themselves. Right. Right. And so right. uh, they try to paint this picture of, you know, consenting adults and and, you know, the age of consent is different in different places. Right. But that doesn't make it right, especially, you know, you talk about it. I mean, it, 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 in jobs that I've worked at in the past, they, you know, we've had job training talking about, um, you know, relationships within the business and things like that. And anytime somebody within an organization of uh, who's in a position of power has a relationship with somebody who does not have that same power, um, that imbalance in power can constitute, uh, you know, even regardless of age, can constitute um, illegal action as well. So, um, you know, it's 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 got to be a really warped perspective of this person committing these acts to try to to justify what they're doing to themselves, I guess, so that they not not justify what they're doing to themselves, but justify to themselves what they're doing. Um, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I can't 
reiterate enough how much I think that, you know, these kinds of things, you know, any organization that, that doesn't um, immediately out these people and put them in front of authorities is is failing in their in their um, um, management. Uh, and certainly as a as a church, they're failing in their um, their moral and ethical um, leadership role if they're not you know, purging these people out of their, out of their leadership immediately. So, you know, and I, I, there's one particular story that uh, everybody involved was an adult um, that I find as egregious as the ones where they're, uh, you know, going after children. And this one, the, is reported by NBC News um, uh in the summer of 2010, a pastor and his wife at the First Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia, said they received an invitation to vacation to a vacation in Florida with with Johnny Hunt, uh, and he's a senior. He he was a senior pastor of the church, of their church, whom they considered a mentor. The 55-year-old church leader had been elected national president of the Southern Baptist Convention two years earlier, making him. I have to sneeze making him one of the most powerful members of the largest denomination of Protestants in the United States. So essentially what happened is he he took, invited them on this vacation. He booked the rooms, and the rooms were right next to each other. Um, uh, and while the – and the, the couple that he invited was a young couple. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think they're in their 20s. Um, and the pastor, of course, the older pastor was much older. Right. Um, yeah. But, the, but the, the husband of the younger couple was also a pastor either within the church or within the same organization, right? Indeed. Right. Indeed, yes. And so at, at one point – um uh the the younger pastor the younger couple the husband was out the woman was home or at the hotel by herself and the senior pastor uh his wife was out somewhere um and they were the the he basically entered you know she and the the younger pastor invited him in to have a cup of coffee or something while they waited for their spouses and he sexually assaulted her um and pinned her down and pulled up her shirt and went down her shorts and um, the, what the report here on NBC news says is that, uh, that she, he groped her and sexually assaulted her with his hands and mouth. And, uh, obviously she mm-hmm. got away from him. He ended up back in his room and he then tried to coax her again and said, Hey, let's, let's have sex three times a day. Yeah. Well, he, uh, with the, with the implication that he wanted to apologize, he, you know, he says, he texts her and says, come on out you know, outside, let's talk, because I, I need to apologize to you. And then proposition, propositioned her as if, as if, you know, what, what he had done before was a proposition or, or a, a mutually consent to, you know, again, he, he has a complete warped idea of reality. But, uh, you know, that goes back to what I was saying is, is that, that um, you know, sexual misconduct um, you know, it's not always between um, uh, an adult and a minor. It's it can be between uh, two adults, but you know, especially it's an issue when one of those adults ostensibly is in a power position and the other is not. You know. Um, so Johnny Hunt was the was the gentleman. Uh, I use that word loosely in question, and he mm-hmm. well into his fifties. Clearly, this is a violation. Clearly, this is horrific and of course he denies it entirely um and 
what happens, I believe, um, you know, if you, at power corrupts, right? And absolute power corrupts absolutely. So the, you know, he's a leader of this large congregation, and he's believes that he's entitled to everything he wants. Yeah. And he's he's made it up the ladder, and I I honestly believe it's a sense of entitlement that um, that thinks that he can take any woman he wants, uh, and and which is insane because it, it's just insane. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. um, uh, you know, there's been this is a, again, this is from NBC News. There have been other cases where these kinds of things have happened within the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. And so I, honestly, it's a couple of things are happening. Number one, um, I think that that organizations where there's ultimate power at the top, uh, especially with a whole without a whole lot of um, checks and balances and churches tend to be. Uh, you know, large denominations tend to be hierarchical and, um, you know, there's there's power and people covering up for you at that level. And I think it attracts psychopaths because only a psychopath would do this or a yeah. sociopath. Yeah, well, that was one of the questions that I had placed, you know, is a, going into this topic is, you know, does the job of being a faith based leader attract uh, you know, I said pedophiles, but I mean, does it attract not just pedophiles, but but also uh, you know, people who are prone to to antisocial and deviant behavior, people that that that, you know, or does it does it create them, like you said, because of the position and the sense of entitlement that they have, um, you know, and if so, what do we do about that? Well, I think that that and, and I, I am an, uh, an independent Baptist. I'm not a Southern Baptist, um, but I, you know, full disclosure, I am a Baptist. Um, what I think that, that all congregations, large and small, but, but especially the large ones need actual training for their congregants on how to report this kind of thing. And there needs to be, uh, areas of accountability. So, so that not only, um, can people, do people report them? Because I think they probably have been reporting them all along, uh, but, that 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 requires that something is done about it, um, and I don't. I'm not entirely sure because of the separation of church and state, because of the the freedom of congregations to worship how they want, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how this would, you know, how the legislation would need to follow up on this. But I think they absolutely the congregants need to be empowered to take this because clearly the the large organizations can't be trusted right. to to be able to take this to law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there, I'm sure that her concerns were, you know, it's like, okay, this this person has attacked me. You can go to the police right then. She could have done that. Um, I don't know if she did or didn't. I don't know the specifics of that particular case. But then you've got to say, how is this going to impact my husband and his career and our livelihood um, when he works in an organization where essentially – you know his boss's boss's boss. You know the guy who's in charge of the of the entire uh, uh, Southern Baptist, right? He's he was president, or I can remember the yes, so the Southern Baptist Convention, yes. Right. So you know, I mean, this guy's is is a way up high up there. Uh, somebody that they both looked up to. Um, you know, that's got a way on her mind as well, and 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 her husband's mind. You know, um, I mean, it's it's. 
the you know it's the guy who's using his power and his influence to to try to get away with something right and yes. kudos to them for calling him on it um you know i mean i would like to say that i would go you know i don't give a crud about that somebody attacks my wife i'm going to do everything i can to to, to you know put them in jail um but uh you know you don't know until you're in that actual situation Yes, not only, you know, and you fight the impulse to put a bullet in their head. Right, yeah, yeah, you know, as a father of daughters, I have, I've had dreams of somebody, you know, horrible nightmares of somebody uh, doing something to one of my daughters, and that's my first thought, is, you know, how will I hunt them down? You know, I've got a bow and an arrow, I could buy a gun, I could build a booby trap, I could blow their car up, you know, I mean, I mean, literally, yes. I, that's, that's where I go immediately, is like, I will take you out. Um <laughs> You know, and I'm sure I'm not the only parent who has those same kinds of, of feelings about things like that. You know, it's like, uh, what was that? There was that Liam Neeson movie years ago where he's, he's, he's on Taken? the phone. Yeah, he's on the phone with his daughter. And while he's on the phone, she gets kidnapped in, like, yes. France. And he's in the U.S. Uh, yeah, and at that, I remember, you know, that's, I have a very specific set of skills. Um, uh, you know, that movie and, is taken. It's yeah, excellent. <laughs> it is. And it's it's every parent's worst nightmare and every parent's absolute, like, yes, that's what I want to do, right? If yes. that, If something like that ever happened, that's exactly how I would want to handle it. I want to hunt down these vermin and remove them from the face of the earth. Um, yeah. You know, and of course, that's, you know, that's fantasy, um, you know, and what we're talking about was somebody's reality. Somebody had had to live through this with with the the betrayal of somebody whom they felt was not only trustworthy, but admirable. Somebody they looked up to, somebody that they were, you know, that that the younger couple was saying, hey, we could be that couple in some, you know, at some point we, we could, you know, help guide people's faith and and and, you know, within this organization, you know, these guys are the, the ideal to look up to. And, you know, and I don't want to drag the older couple's wife into it because ostensibly she had nothing to do with it and nothing, you know, was unaware of it. But, um, uh, but still, you know, that's such a betrayal, such a betrayal. So the Washington Post reported that leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, this is, uh, released a major third-party investigation that found that sex abuse survivors were often ignored, minimized, and even vilified by top clergy in the nation's largest Protestant denomination. Now, that's a different argument, but I don't think Baptists are Protestants. Um, they're not Catholic. They're not Protestants. They're separate. So in the findings of nearly 300 pages, including shocking new details about specific abuse cases um, uh, uh, and shine a light on how denominational leaders for decades actively resisted calls for abuse prevention and reform. So honestly, um, let the lawsuits begin. Yeah. We saw it happen at the Catholic Church. So, according to this article and what seems to be what what, what uh, was allegedly found in this uh, in this audit yeah. uh, was they need the same kind of treatment. It, yeah. You play stupid games, you get stupid prizes, or you play evil games and you get evil prizes. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're in a hundred percent agreement here as far as what this, uh, what what the um, the the answer is 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 use the laws that are already out there to protect victims to to protect these victims you know to and to call these um uh, uh evil people on their evil deeds you know call them out 
Um, you know, I, I, I worry, too, because, you know, I mean, we're both people of faith. Um, you know, you mentioned you, you're a non-denominational Baptist. I am a um, uh, Lutheran, although it's funny, I call, you know, my, my dad, my, I was raised Catholic. My family is Catholic. Uh, and, and so sometimes in my head, I kind of think of myself more as like a Lutholic or a... <laughs> Or a Catherine or something so, like that. Yeah, <laughs> but that would be the Missouri Synod, right? Yeah. Uh, well, the schools that I, I have taught at are Missouri Synod. I've I've uh, attended the um, uh, Lutheran Evangelical Lutheran Church, um, which is you know um, associated but slightly different. Um, uh, what's the right word? Um, different flavor, different, slightly different rituals in terms of how the faith is practiced. Um, you know, I mean, I don't want to get into a theological discussion about all of that, you know, I mean, but it's like you were saying, you, you don't, you didn't feel like Baptists are, are Protestants. I think that there's a lot of people who, who assume that it, any Christian who's not a Catholic is a Protestant. But, you know, if you talk to individuals, they will describe themselves differently. Um, well, but yes, but the reason why is that the Baptists they didn't they didn't come from the Catholic Church. Protestant right. is about protesting what the Catholic Church was up to when Martin Luther nailed his um, tenets to the wall. And yeah, so but the Calvin Baptist, also was of, in, in that, and, and there's a whole separate set of churches that came out of out of right. Calvin's. Yeah. Well, there's the Reformed yeah. Church, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But I, we're talking about Baptists. And I don't believe that, that Baptists are Protestant if you use that as the definition of right. Protestantism, and I do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I said, each I, I believe that, you know, each person and each church can self-define and, and you try to be respectful of their of their. But, you know, I guess as you're writing an article, how do you you know, you can't go in. I guess it, it, this was specifically about Baptists, so you should probably use the language that they choose to use. But, um, you know. You try to be, try to be respectful, but you're yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and I don't want to go down that tangent. Yeah, I know because we're both yeah, we're, yeah, we're both talking about a lot of theological, you know, specifics that are probably not relevant to the specific conversation that we're having. But I think that all churches uh, have got to see that these kinds of stories, these kinds of actions of leadership, um, are going to impact church attendance they're going to impact trust in these organizations it's they're going to impact attendance and and uh, you know just human nature people are going to be less likely to want to be involved with any organization um, any faith-based organization I think that's got to probably impact some of the different charities that are out there and let's face it a lot of good is done in this world through organizations like Catholic charities and, and, you know, and, and their, uh, and their, um, uh, sister organizations from, from all the other major churches. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, some, some of the, uh, most effective, um, work that's being done for homeless and for, you know, feeding the hungry and in both in this country and around the world are done by church organizations, their outreach ministries. And, you know, you've got to think that this is, these kinds of things impact people's willingness to be part of organizations. So it makes it all the more horrific that the leadership of the, of the denominations are acting so um, egregiously. And, and, and to me, the, 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 the unforgivable sin, if you're talking, you know, talking about churches, the unforgivable, unforgivable sin is doing evil in God's name. And, you know, each one of these 
people needs to be held to account. Certainly they will in the, in the next life, but they deserve to be in this life as well. Yeah. Because you go to church and you think this is a place where I can relax and I can be me and I can, you know, I don't have to be on my guard and I don't, you know, you, that's church, churches are such an ingrained part of, of our culture and who we are. Um, and you send the kids off to, you know, to, to the, to the youth group and they meet lots of friends and they have mm-hmm. a lot of fun and they learn about God and you want to be able to trust that. And, and that is now damaged. Yeah. Um, and so that, that space of, of freedom of fellowship and, and, you know, the Bible talks about fellowship. We need fellowship that, that has now been corrupted. Um, and you've made people trust God less, let's be honest, mm-hmm. because something happens at church, you tend to blame God. And so what these people have done is so deeply evil, and and the churches, and men are corruptible, and I understand that, but the church's um, inability uh, to be transparent, these people should have been fired instantly, and the authorities should have been contacted, just like what we saw with the Catholic Church. And they were covered up, and they were moved around, and right. the same thing happened. Yeah. You know, and when all of this nonsense was happening, at, you know, in the Catholic Church, and it couldn't have been more public. I mean, this was a global story. Right. N- nobody in the Southern Baptist Convention thought, hmm, that playbook didn't work really well. Maybe we should handle it differently. No, right. they didn't. They just tried to cover it up more. Yeah. And when you say, you know, fired instantly, fired instantly upon uh, uh, some sort of, of trial or something. I mean, you don't, you know, when somebody's accused, you don't fire them instantly. But but clearly... Um, you know, there are legal means to handle this. And in, you know, too often what we're hearing is, is that it never gets to the legal system because the organization doesn't want the smirk on the organization, the smirk, that's not right, the, the bad mark on the organization, the stain on the organization. So they try to cover it up. The problem is, is that it comes out. And then not only does it come out that, that this bad behavior occurred, but that the church covered it up. You know, and you're like, holy moly, can you can you make worse decisions? So I think at a minimum, people who who are in leadership in churches need to be um, live scanned, just like anybody in any job um, who works with children. They need to be live scanned. And I don't believe that that happens. Um, Yeah, um, I think that. You know, the, the challenge that with, with that, of course, is that they, they have to have had a conviction to be able to be right. – um, to come up on a live scan. But yeah. at least it's 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 some kind of a protection. Yeah, it's like the background checks for people with guns. You know, we were talking about that previously. And it's like, yeah, we need to do something. Uh, and it's not perfect. But, uh, but, you know, if you don't do the background check, then then you really as an organization should be held liable for hiring people that – that do evil things, you know? Yep. And if it means your congregation or your organization is gutted, again, play evil games, get evil prizes. Yeah. Yeah. And the worst part about that is, is too, that the people who are doing, making the bad decisions afterward are not always bad intended. They're just trying to, they're looking at the things that we just talked about, the, the, the bigger picture of, you know, how is this going to impact the organization and, and, and the, 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 um, uh, the sense of community that we have here and so they they make a bad decision and say you know let's try to cover this up and i think if they were thinking clearly they would say in the long term the good decision is let's call these people out and let everybody know that hey 
you know, we are a trustworthy organization because as soon as we found out about this, we called this person out. And maybe we don't fire them, but we put them on, on uh, administrative leave until we have the opportunity to have an investigation, to turn, it, turn everything over to, to the local authorities, to let them have an investigation, some, you know, an outside party, and say, hey, this guy's been accused of doing something, or this, you know, in some cases, this woman's been accused of doing something, although this is generally uh, men because most church leadership is men. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, it reminds me of, of, uh, what they used to say about Richard Nixon, right? It wasn't the, the, the evil deed. It was the cover up that got him right and yeah. now historically we've gone back and said, okay, well, he actually knew pretty much about what was going on with the evil deed too. So it wasn't just the cover up, but, you know, but that's what happens with a lot of things, you know, I mean, it was like um, when Martha Stewart ended up in jail, it wasn't for what she did. It was for lying about it. You know, she got busted for lying to the, uh, to the uh, uh, federal investigators about what she had done. And if she had just fessed up and paid, she would have gotten a fine and been sent on her way, you know? Yes, I think that it speaks to because we're seeing these same kinds of things uh, in schools where, um, you know, stories come out and we've seen them. And and there you have a lot of women who are involved Mm -hmm. um, where there's some sort of sexual impropriety happening. um, Unless you think it's just men, right? Right, 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 right. But it's just uh, but you're right about churches that leadership tends to be male. But um, I think that it speaks to a narcissism in our society where um, self-control is, you know, people, it's not touted as an important thing to do, except when it comes to food, because God forbid somebody becomes fat. But, um, uh, you know, our society... As the entire society has gotten fatter and fatter. Yeah, but... But but, but, but we still fat shame each other. Yes, we do. Um, You you have, on the one hand, body positivity to the point of being insane, and then, on the other hand, you know, any fatty is a disgusting piece of filth. So, you know, and everything in between. So... Um, you know, it's it speaks to the narcissism in our society. It's like, well, I'm a powerful p- person. I can get what I want, and I want I want that woman or that child or that man. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's it's a sickness that's rotting us to the core in this nation and in the West in general. Um, that if that if if I think it or if I feel it, then I should have it and I should be it. And it's like, well, wait a minute, no, yeah. no. Um, that's not how it works. I'm sorry, but it's not how it works. You're going to feel a lot of things that you shouldn't indulge. That's, that's the, the, what you, what you have to pay. That's the price you pay for living on this earth. Yeah. Just because you have an impulse doesn't mean you have a right to that impulse. Right. Yeah. I think that the, the, you know, we, we've been raising now several generations of kids who, who we've basically been saying, you know, you're wonderful and perfect and we applaud you for being you. You don't have to do anything and we'll give you awards for it. And anytime you feel something, that feeling something is real. And so, you know, it's not, it's not just, um, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you hurt my feelings, then you have assaulted me kind of right. thing. You know, and, and it's just, it's, we're distorting reality a lot, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and taking a lot of social norms and turning them on their head uh, in the last few years that I think is, you know, we're, we're seeing some of the impact of that. The flip side, though, is, and, and I, I tend to bring this out a lot just because I come from a technology background is, you know, I always ask the question, 
percentage of population, because you can't just say raw numbers because we've, you know, the population has grown over, you know, the decades and centuries. But by percentage of population, are we really seeing more than we've seen in the past or are we just now more aware of it because of uh, instant communication around the world via, you know, the Internet and, and satellite communication? Um, you know, is this something that's been there and this is really part of who we are and we just don't want to accept the fact that this is us as a society and that we, we um, because we weren't aware of it before, we, we were, you know, we, our head was essentially in the sand. Well, that's an unanswerable question. It is, in a way, yeah. But I do believe that our society is narcissistic. And that we have that we celebrate what one feels to the point of absurdity, where people are out there chanting that that speech is violence when that no, no, it's not mm -hmm. where, you know, older generations would would grew up with sticks and stones. Younger generations are growing up with speech as violence. Right. You know, um, yeah. and and certainly speech can hurt, but it's that's different. Right. Um, you know, and it's it's this this worship of what one feels um, that that justifies any behavior, right? It justifies, um, uh, you know, if I, I felt it, it's real. I'm, you know, what are you trying to tell me that I can't act on it? And I think that that's indicative of um, of where our culture sits at the moment. Do as thou wilt. It's the whole of the law, and that's become um, it's on it's emblazoned. It's become our mantra. It's emblazoned on T-shirts. It's it's you know that theme is everywhere in our society. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that the people the churchgoers are are off the hook because oh, it's society's fault. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um I you know, certainly they they've got in their hands the book that tells them no, that's not okay, and yet they choose to ignore it um because and they think they can get away with it because human beings are at their nature narcissistic and they have to fight that. Yeah. Um so yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think um uh you know we we clearly have some some social issues whether they were pre-existing our current um situations uh, and we just weren't aware of them or, uh, uh the only thing is is if they've been there longer if they've really been more embedded in our society than we're aware of um I think then they're you know it makes it much harder they've been there a long time to change if it's just a, the the last you know generation or two um, because of the way we're we're you know uh, fawning over over our children and trust me I love my kids as much as the next person um, but uh, yeah but if they're being a jerk you're gonna tell them so yeah and have on many occasions but <laughs> and and now that they're adults they absolutely tell me the same so <laughs> it's, I guess I raised them right because I yeah you know it's like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. shut up kid um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's uh you know, I, I'm I'm proud of my daughters and who they are and uh and I think that they are well rounded individuals, but you know, it's it's I don't know, it just you know, it goes back to the thing you almost wish that sometimes you wish that there was um required parenting classes, you know. Um uh and yet there are people who, who would have a hissy and have had, had uh hissy is not the right way to it, have had raised objections about like forcing parenting classes on kids at, at the high school level even because they they think that that then implies to the kids that it's okay to go be a parent and to have sex and they don't want that being taught in their schools and yet 
you know, when they do have kids, they don't understand how to be parents. And, and too often, uh, you know, the, the, the kid, the, a, a uh, young people having babies, you know, have busted relationships with their parents. So there aren't grandparents involved, which, you know, historically was something that in our country, you know, we had more extended family involvement in, in, in family growth, right? So you would have grandparents around that would, uh, uh, you know, not only be there to dote on their grandchildren, but to help raise them in many cases, um, you know, a few generations back. And that's just not always possible these days. Um, you know, we were lucky. Our grandparents or our, our parents were, were uh, you know, somewhat around when our kids were little, um, at least on one side or the other. In my case, they were both around. And in your case, one and a half-ish sort of, you know. I mean, it, but it's, it's, you know, our kids had a relationship with their grandparents, which was, which is, great you know they have memories of those people um you know and i'm sure they learned things from them that they didn't learn from their parents so you indeed know, you know and, and i'm saying this without any like uh gosh society should do this to make that happen again because man i don't have i don't have answers you know i'm just pointing this out um so, hey, um, you know, I at the beginning of our show, one of the things that I've got on um, uh, the list is follow-up, but I never put anything in there for follow-up. And I actually do have some follow-up from last week. We were talking about um, uh, the shootings in Buffalo, Laguna, and Uvalde, Texas. Uh, um, it's been, you know, really sad images on our television about... Uh, um, you know, funerals and burials that have been going on this past week for the, the children that were killed. Um, and I found an article that I thought was pretty interesting. It was uh, somebody has gone through and done a study of state laws that are most effective at stopping mass shootings. And so what they've done is this is a, a long-term study where they went through and looked at different laws in different states and said, well, how many mass shootings have you had in these states and which ones, you know, which laws seem to be most effective and which, you know, sets of laws. And they narrowed it down to five specific things that they thought or five, I don't want to say, you know, specific laws, but styles of laws that, that, that they found that were pretty effective. Um, and uh, for those who are worried about, you know, people the, the the push to say let's get rid of uh, guns right or let's get rid of you know ar-15s or let's get rid of i mean ar-15 isn't the only you know semi-automatic rifle that you can buy so it's not no it's you just know, the most popular in it, the united states exactly i mean it's but it's you know lots of people can go buy you know i guess what i'm saying is if you ban the ar-15 they just start buying a different one you know i mean it's and and the AR the difference between the AR fifteen and a, and a, some other semiotic rifle is just the way it looks, um, but uh, so obviously the the first one was um, let's see I'm trying to find it. of course they don't have them in a nice list say say two laws um, uh, they found that were pretty effective slightly differently uh, one is laws that require people to have a permit in order to own or purchase a gun were effective at reducing the occurrence of mass shootings in the first place. The second law was the effective uh, effective limits on the magazine capacity, uh, specifically laws that limit magazine capacities to less than 10 rounds in a detachable magazine. So those two laws were the first two that they found that, that had an effect, um, you know, uh, making sure that people get a permit. I mean, you have to have a permit to drive a car, 
you know, if you're going to wield something that is is dangerous enough that it could take somebody's life if it's mishandled, I see no reason you shouldn't have to, you know, take a test, at least a safety test, and get a permit to say that you're allowed to have this vehicle or this this device, right? And then uh, the second law was uh, limits on the magazine capacity. You know, you don't need more than 10 shots at any, you know, given point in time without having to reload. Um, and so um, those two were the first ones up. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to find the third one. Again, I apologize because this is not, I should have picked them out because it's just they're in, in a paragraph form, so I have to read to see where they are. Uh, let's see. Okay, uh, let's see. Almost every state has passed permit requirements and uh, that also have background checks. So it's the combination of the two. They said that background checks without permits is not effective um, or isn't as effective. That it, so it's background checks, limit the size of the, of the automatic uh, or, or the magazines, do a permit. So it's background checks. Like we've said, background checks are great if they've done something. I would add to that what you brought up, which is background checks that um, – also check when you were um, still a minor. You know the idea of purging a minor out when they've when they've done things that that um, uh, indicate that they might be uh, an, an angry kid at some point. Because we've had several people now who literally, like the guy in Uvalde, went and bought his gun when he turned 18. So all of his history would have been as a minor. And if they do a background check and they've purged out everything that, when he was a minor. There's no way they're going to know anything about that person. So, and this particular human being, if we want to call him that, mm-hmm. um, this shooter, he there's been a vi- there's a video that's emerged about him holding up a bag of blood-soaked dead cats, videotaping it and putting it on social media. He on social media uh, re- harassed people, told them he wanted to rape them and kill them. I mean, this guy was known to law enforcement, and they did nothing. Right. N- they did nothing. Um, and and so you know, I'm I'm not going to blame the gun. This guy was a loose cannon. If it hadn't been a gun, it would have been something else. This 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 person needed to be in behind bars somewhere lunatic asylum somewhere yeah yeah and and the next two because we said there was four the next two kind of cover some of this one is number four was uh anybody who has committed any kind of violent crime no matter what level it is cannot access a gun Uh, not just felony crimes because there's a lot of misdemeanor crimes that uh you know felonies are you're already prohibited but there's a lot of misdemeanor crimes that are very violent crimes and any, you know, domestic violence crimes that would be considered a misdemeanor still should require them to not be able to have a gun. Maybe not for life, but maybe for a certain period of time, uh, you know, in, to see if this person is there. And then the last one is um, red flag laws. So, uh, you know, this is uh, uh, important that they, they think that, you know, a lot of these warning signs that people have, like you said, picture, posting pictures of dead cats online that they're, that somebody killed or um, you know, putting a, uh, a screed online about how you hate uh, a specific group of people. These kinds of things should be um, uh, should allow law enforcement to take action when there's credible evidence that somebody does pose a risk, uh, and that you know may or may not be taking their gun away. But at the very least, there should be an investigation at a court hearing to see whether or not that person should be allowed to have a gun. Not that I like to put more and more things on our courts, but um, you know, it, it, there should be 
you know, ongoing investigations. Of, in fact, the, the red flag laws are usually triggered, meaning that when they do the background check, they're not just doing a background check, but they're also checking uh, online for that person's social media posts and things like that to say, hey, is there any red flags here saying that this person might be uh, a little unhinged? And if they are, if this person, you know, gives any indication that they might be a danger to others, then that's enough reason to hold back giving them a gun, uh, at least until there's a hearing to see why the person who did that, you know, and you can, and, and when they, when they design the red flag laws, they, they, they're specific about, you know, specific language and what, you know, as to how to do it, um, uh, you know, as to how to identify what would be red flags. So, so in this case, I mean, to, to go beyond, and by the way, the, the bloody bags of dead cats, he had killed the cats. Um, he liked to do that and, yeah, and, and brag about uh, it. Yeah. And then other, um, other high school classmates said that, uh, he would go to the park to try to pick on people and he loved hurting animals. Um, one kid said, I remember there was one time we saw him beating a little dog senseless. This guy was a monster and people knew it. Yeah. Absolutely. And had there been a red flag law, somebody before he was allowed to buy those guns would have not only done a background check, but also, you know, he would have had to wait maybe a day or two while they, they did this or 10 days or whatever the, the rules are for their that state. But had there been a red flag law, in addition to doing a background check uh, of him as an adult, which would have meant like a day because he had just turned 18, um, they would have gone online and found these photos and this this inf- some of this information and it would have kept him from getting the gu- the guns um, or at least getting them legally uh, you know that's not to say that they're not available in other ways but um, uh, anything we can do to put a roadblock up to keep people from who, who are clearly expressing thoughts of violence and anger from getting a gun is is just seems like it's it's a worthwhile thing. Um, I thought it was interesting to see this too, because they very specifically said in this study that um, that that laws that ban assault weapons don't have any impact on it, because the people who want to do this kind of thing will go find or modify guns themselves to to get what they want. Um, you know, if they're if they're truly evil intended. So, um, but these five things have had an effect. And so if we know what works, why aren't we doing something like that everywhere? I, I And I don't know why we don't put armed guards out in front of schools. And we had this discussion last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we guard our money. We guard sporting yeah. events. We guard uh, courthouses. Why don't we guard our schools? Yeah. Well, I mean, to go back to the Buffalo thing, they had an armed guard at the grocery store because it was a rough neighborhood, you know. they So they had somebody there. Um, unfortunately... The man who came in to shoot the place up had more guns, better guns, and body armor, you know. And the guard gave his life trying to protect people. But, you know, they still had, I don't remember, was there 13 uh, people who passed there or were killed there? Yeah, it, but, but think about the average rent-a-cop we have out in front of places like grocery stores. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, you know, a $12 an hour, depending on where you are, and trying to get a middle ground guy who may or may not be armed. Yeah, $15 um, is the minimum now, right? In California. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think the federal minimum wage is still in the $7 range. Is it? Wow. Yeah. 
And so, um, you know, it's it's I'm talking about somebody who's been trained, former law enforcement, former right. military, that sort of thing. And yeah. and I'm not not to minimize what this man did, but I, I doubt he was at that level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and to his absolute credit, he he did his best to protect those people. He did try to do his job. And who knows, had he not been there, that might have been worse. Yep. You know, and so, um, you know, I, I, I am definitely not minimizing anything he did. But, but um, you know, I mean, the police have run into those issues, too. And it's less so nowadays. But there was times when, uh, for, for a while there, where police would show up with a, you know, a revolver. And the the bad guys would show up with body armor and, you know, 30-shot magazines on rapid-fire guns. And, and you go like, um, that's not a very fair fight. No, but, but at least in police, at least in California, they, they, they have rifles, um, in their car. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we've, you know, it's not like we want to have, you know, a, a, an armed state, but by the same token, we've got to have an even playing field so that our, our law enforcement, uh, you know, at least has a shot at, at, at protecting and serving, which is what we ask them to do. So, um, you know, and I don't know what the case is everywhere. I mean, it's, you know, each each town is is independent. Um, but clearly, the, you know, do you want to go to the grocery store? I mean, I know, like, when you travel in certain countries, you know, in the airports, they've got, you know, fully armed military police walking around. Um, you're, you're saying you want that at, at schools now, too? Um. Maybe. Yeah, I am. You know, certainly. I mean, you say I mean, and, and certainly in some areas, you know, that are higher risk areas than others. That probably makes sense. But, um, you know, uh, societally, you know, that, there's a lot of expense to that. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 a difficult situation. It's just a difficult situation. I just think it's interesting that we've got, you know, somebody's done a study and said, here's the five most effective laws that seem to be doing, you know, that are in place. Um, If we know, again, if we know what works, then. Well, we know what tends to work. Right. Nothing's going to be perfect. I mean, nothing's going to be perfect. And I'm not arguing against that, Todd. I'm just saying that that we need mm. that schools the tar- schools need to be a harder target yeah they just do yeah well i mean and as it's come out you know this was just a screw up from the get-go from the police side of things right i mean they showed up and then somebody made the mischaracterization of this being a hostage situation and so they stood around for an hour while this guy was in there killing people um that just seems you know uh, in retrospect a horrifically bad decision Apparently, they've got video of him walking in, and I'm, I'm back to Uvalde, Texas, by the way, um, of him, like, walking in through an open door, like a, a teacher, it was hot, and a teacher had opened the door to get a breeze through the classroom, and he literally walked in through that door, um, didn't even have to come in through the main door, where he might have been, you know, at least questioned as to what he was doing on campus, because most schools are set up so that you can only come in through, you know, w- once the school starts and they've got the kids there, they tend to say, th- th- block it down so there's only one way into the school and it puts you going past the office. So you have to, uh, you know, I- I- at least explain what you're doing there as you come into the facility. Um, you know, he didn't do that. He walked in through a back door because it was propped open. So. Yeah, that's how Ted Bundy got into dorms when he was doing his thing. Yeah, you know, and it's human nature. It's, oh, it's hot out, just crack a door open. You know, um, 
uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, you hate to say let's live with a little more paranoia than that, but let's live with a little bit more paranoia than that. Let's not leave doors open while people are trying to sleep. Let's, you know, not put out a red sign saying everything's open here. The gold bars are on the kitchen table. You know, <laughs> um, you know you're, you're asking for trouble. You know, you, there, there are people out there who are, are evil-minded and, um, you know, leaving a door open is not the, you know, what was it? There used to be a, um, uh, uh, I think it was a Motel 6, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll leave a light on We'll for leave you. a light on. We'll leave a light on, leave the door propped open. Come on in. Y'all come. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it seems hospitable, but it also just, you know, and you would think, you know, it'd be nice if we lived in a world where, where you don't have to. Make sure your doors are locked. Um, uh, and let's face it, too. I mean, as much as we live in a world where we lock our doors in, you know, unless you live, you know, uh, uh, on the third floor or up of a high rise in New York City, um, getting in a house is no more difficult than picking up a rock and breaking out a glass window and stepping in. I mean, most people don't live with bars on their windows either. So, you know, it's it's our, our sense of safety is probably somewhat misplaced i mean leaving a door open is obviously a a, a a poor choice but closing the door doesn't really make you that much safer realistically if somebody wants in your house they can come in you know you and i don't want to come in our house that way because we don't want to break a window because we know we have to fix it but the bad guy doesn't care he's not fixing the window anyway that's true you know so in in the last few minutes um i would Love to talk about um, Amber Heard, the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial yeah. and the verdict, um, and uh, you know she got her tail handed to her. She really did. Uh, um, um, she got a little bit, I guess. Well, the the verdict came down on Wednesday afternoon Pacific time, um, late Wednesday Eastern time, right? They were in Virginia. And, yes, uh, is where the court was, and. Uh, so the the final verdict was the, they gave ten million of the fifty million that had been requested to Johnny Depp. Uh, they gave two million of the hundred million to Amber Heard, saying that he had libeled her somewhat too, um, mostly in response to things that she had said. And then they gave a five million dollar settlement to him as punitive damages, but then the judge knocked that down to, to the state required mi- uh, maximum of three hundred twenty five thousand. Three hundred fifty thousand. Three hundred fifty thousand. Okay, thank yes. you. Yes, and I, clearly she's. She said she was disappointed beyond words, and oh, yes, this is setting, he said, setting women back. Yes, and and he said the jury gave me my life back, and there've been there've been pundits who said that her career is over in Hollywood. She will never be able to be hired again because of the ick factor, um, and I don't know that that's necessarily fair. Maybe mm. I mean I, you know this was. The only reason why people are aware of this is because it was on TV and should, yeah, she did an icky thing. She's, she's a little crazy, but it's Hollywood. There's a lot of people who are a little crazy. Um, you know, she deserved to lose her livelihood forever. And I, I think that's unfair. Um, you know, I mean, there's also a lot of people who go in, in just the few jobs that she's had, she's made more money than I will make in most of my, you know, livelihood for most of my life. Um, so if she never worked again, she'd probably be just fine if she doesn't live extravagantly. <clears throat> Well, except that she's got to pay her lawyers and then she's got to pay Johnny Depp. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and let's face it. I mean, she's never been an A-lister, you know, not like not at the same level he has. Um, my uh, my thought is, is that both of them have been damaged because clearly he's not 
been, um, uh, you know, I don't think he came out of this unscathed. I think he was right that this she dragged the, this process of being dragged through the muck. Uh, you know, I mean, him fighting back probably helps him a lot, and clearly he convinced the jury um, that that uh, you know he was in the right in fighting back. But I think that just the, I think that a lot of studios are going to look at both of them and go. Ugh. I don't know. <clears throat> Johnny's Johnny's cred. I mean, like yeah. there was this whole movement of of, um, you know, people supporting Johnny Depp online. Mm-hmm. He he was the king of the memes um, yeah. uh, for, you know, and it has been yeah. since the trial started. Yeah. Well, and Kevin Spacey's got a gig again, too. So, I mean, exactly. Like, you know, if if Hollywood is if nothing else is if we think we can make money by putting you on screen, we'll put you on screen. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, it's a business above all else. It's the yes. business of entertainment. But if we think that we can put you on screen and people will show up and pay money to see you, then by golly, we'll do it. And I think there would be with Amber Heard a a curiosity factor, <clears throat> you know, this idea that no publicity is bad publicity. I think that if they put her in a movie yeah. right now, people would go just to see her. Right. Well, ost- ostensibly, the next movie that she's supposed to be in is the s- sequel to Aquaman and uh you know, there are rumors that some of her scenes were cut because there wasn't a lot of, of um, uh, uh, what was the right word that they used? Um, there was not a lot of heat between her and uh, Jason Momoa, the leading man. And they're supposed There's to no be, chemistry. Yeah, supposed to be the chemistry. That's the word I was looking for. They're supposed to be a love interests in, the, in this thing, and they just didn't click on film. I could see them going back and editing it and putting some more scenes of hers back in just because I think you're right. I think people would go to see it because they're going to go say, it was their chemistry. Is she, what, what is she, do we see crazy in her eyes? <laughs> um, and I'm trying to think of the movie. There was a movie that I watched the other day that she was in and she played that, that sort of like whacked out crazy person. Um, that was, Oh, Oh, you know what it was? It was, um, um, it was with Kevin Costner. Um, and uh, she played like this uh, super hit woman uh, against Kevin Costner's hit man that was an older hit man that was kind of dying. Uh, and she was like the um, his boss. But she was just it's called uh, Three Days to Kill. Uh, and I've never heard of the movie. It is a very cool movie. But if you watch that, if you watch uh yeah, it's got Kevin Costner, Amber Heard, Haley Steinfeld, Connie Nielsen. Um, you know, it's got some fairly big names in it. Um, and uh, it was done by Luke Besson, who has a very specific style of, of, you know, kind of handling movies, if you've watched any of his other films. Um, she She plays somebody who's a little unhinged, and you go like, okay, if you watch that movie, then you you listen and go like okay yeah I can see I can see her being that so uh, uh, <laughs> and we're just about out of time Kevin Costner said that she would show up in his trailer buck naked yeah okay so, which so, so, sounds about right <laughs> you know um, yeah, yeah and I, like I told Tobin and this this has to be the end because we're about out of time but I told Tobin she's going to end up on somebody's casting couch somebody will hire her and she's not going to have a problem <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least as long as she's young and pretty, right? I mean, yes. uh, you know, of course, there's a lot of women who say that's the case in Hollywood, no matter who you are. You can get jobs as long as you're young and pretty. Um, and there's been, uh, you know, 
a long-running story and lots of lots of women to attest that when you hit 40 in Hollywood, if you're female, uh, jobs just disappear. And so, um, you know, that's a whole other issue for another day. But uh, yeah, okay. So, so I, you know, I'm I'm somewhat glad to see that the story won't be in the news every single day about this trial. That that I will say. Um, but uh, I look forward to seeing. Uh, what happens as far as their work going further? And, you, and I think you're absolutely right. There's going to be a lot of good people who go see Aquaman 2, mostly just to see, do they see crazy in her face, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Do, do you see crazy? In her, if you want to see crazy in her face, watch Three Days to Kill, uh, because that's that was it, that was the character. And, uh, and she played it really, really convincingly. <laughs> so we are completely out of time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back again next week with our next in-depth topic. Today we bounced around just a little bit, but uh, but we hope that you enjoy the conversation uh, from the rest of us. Have a great day, everyone. I'm Erin Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. All right, we're out. Cool. <clears throat> All right. Thank you very much. Likewise. So and, uh, um, let's see. What do we got? Next week, we've got uh, Ukraine war. Ongoing Ukraine war is the topic that's in there. But um, I've also got the next pandemic and COVID is still here, um, you know, because there's uh, I listed multiple issues like the, the weird thing with kids getting hepatitis and monkeypox is now up to 500 people. And, uh, you know. Oh, and we've also got the trans people in competitive sport, which is, you know, so we've got several topics to pick from. Yep. So. All right. Well, let's just keep them in order. Okay. Um, I just noticed, too, here that I didn't put any kind of links on the Ukraine war, so we can both maybe just add something there if we see an article or something. I mean, I think uh, one of the news feeds I get is just like every day it's got like a daily update, so I can throw that in there. I'll try to do it like right before we go in there so we'll have the latest and greatest information. Sounds good. So, all righty, cool. I'll well, see you this weekend. Yeah, see you in a couple of days. <laughs> Tent living, baby. I've got to actually That's right. find. I found one of my um, uh, cots, and I and it didn't have the tent in the package with it. Oh. And so I've got to find the tent, and then I've got to find the other cot and tent completely. So I've got a cot right now. Um, <laughs> I also have a tent that I can pitch in the dirt, but I'd rather use the cots. So. Well, good luck. We have to yeah. find all of our pieces, too. Yeah. Great. So we're going to have a busy uh, next day and a half trying to find out. Otherwise, we'll be camping under the stars. <laughs> Not my Sleeping part. in the car. Yeah. 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 They rhyme and, and yeah. All right. Cool. Well, we'll see you oh, soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.